fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to F Triple G BT. This is the show where we take your favorite fictional science and technology and make it a reality. And how do we do that? We do that with the brain trust. First of all, I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. And with me, as always, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Great to be here, Dan. And next to him, we've got our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Great to be here, Dan. This is going to be a really fun episode because we are going to talk about one of my favorite TV shows. And and also, we're going to kind of venture into the paranormal at the same time. I'm talking about Supernatural and the incredible weapon of the cult, this gun that can kill anything. I really like this idea. I like the world. I like the TV show. And again, this is kind of something that we don't talk about, but as you know, we kind of dove into on our uh, on our sci-fi Sweet 16 episode. I love scary movies. I love horror movies. So let's talk about that. I kind of, what, what are you guys? Are you guys into horror movies? Denon, are you a scary movie guy? I'm much more into suspense than scary, Dan, um, because too many, well, good horror, like horror that's just about blood spraying everywhere, I have no interest in. Like, okay. You have to actually have a psychological element that's scary. Okay. All right. I much prefer that. Well, so let's talk. Let, let me let me pose this question to you. What is your favorite supernaturally themed or supernaturally based threat? I guess I'll, I'll say that not creature in 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 cinema. What what have you? What's your favorite? So you know, I had to. I was thinking, what what are the good engineers? You know, creatures. What are the creatures of the engineers? And. It kind of okay. brought me to Frankenstein's monster, the the quintessential mm. man-made horror that that is Frankenstein's right. monster. I I really like that, and I love the you know the bolts for electricity coming out of the neck. I like the big knife switches and the lightning bolts. Like I don't know that that to me that makes it fun. <laughs> and, and and I will like to add here for all of the kids because mine have all done this who are doing their AP English class and have learned that it's Frankenstein's monster, not Frankenstein, they will really appreciate the correct right. name that you just well, used. Well, the true, the true monster <laughs> is Dr. Frankenstein. That is true. And we also did an episode on Frankenstein's monster. It's our first FGGBT episode. Uh, and, and I think the mad scientist kind of fits you, Ben. I wouldn't call you mad necessarily. You've been, managed to keep your psychosis under control, but you're definitely right. a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> that was very weirdly done, Dan. It, it's good for a supernatural episode. I appreciate the um, you know, the strangeness of it all. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what about you, Dennis? What are you into? Okay, so this is really easy for me, but it's a real catch twenty two. It is clear that the best supernatural creature are what I would call real vampires. Mm. Um, okay, and this is really important to distinguish between fake vampires, which often show up in TVs and movies. Um, and I will clarify that this was a defining moment in my child's life when I got dragged to watch a Twilight movie. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. It was the worst experience I've ever had um, by far. And I did had you to finish infor- it, though? No, we did. <laughs> Unfortunately, so, I had so to finish it. So better than 2001. So not, wor- <laughs> yeah, not worse than 2001. No, the experience was worse because I had to finish it. <laughs> 2001, I walked out of um, All right, fair enough. But I had to explain to my child that those were not real vampires in the movie. And that was what started her her journey down Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. which are much more realistic, much more accurate vampires than those portrayed in Twilight. 
Um, and, and I think that's a key element of vampireness, right? Is, the definition of accuracy? Is that yes, the key? exactly. Yeah. You know, I just, mm-hmm. it really bothers me when vampires are inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about vampires and, and, and throughout movies and, and, and books and literature is, is this tension we have as, as to whether or not they're really good or evil, right? Like mm-hmm. the classic vampire is clearly pure evil. And yet look how often the good vampire shows up. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that a fascinating psychology. Well, they're just really carnivores, right? I mean, it's is there a good lion or a bad lion? You know, I mean, that's well, there really... is that. But but you you really do have like like I mean, Angel, the vampire with a soul who's good. Like it's something we get attracted to, which I mm-hmm. find fascinating. Why we bother to do that? But we do. No, I guess it's true. A lot of people like vampires. I you know I, I was I'm an old school zombie guy. I've always liked zombies, and I like that there are different versions. That there are, you know, you can have radiation, you can have a virus, you can have religious, you know, the dead rising from the grave. There's several different ways that they can kind of appear, but this whole idea of, you know, what we consider to be dead coming back and then coming after us are two very terrifying things that I've just always found really interesting. And the fact that zombies are a semi-real thing, I think, is also fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I love that you're that you're telling us that all this stuff is real. I'm really into that. That's yeah. they, they are they are kind of real. I mean, there's definitely we attribute that that word zombie to a lot of things that do the opposite or cannibalize their own thing, yeah. their own species. You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's it's a weird thing that we use. But anyway, yeah. no, I agree. I think that's really cool. So those are mine. So the cult. Now let let's get it. This is going to be kind of fun because I just did a fascinating nouns episode on the history of the cult. This is actually in the in the movie. This is made by Samuel Colt. Uh, you know, this has very wild westy themes that I, I'm really into. So uh, I, I'm really excited about this. No, I, I'm with you on that, Dan. And and I I'm just one of the things I'm excited about because I can reveal this. It's not a spoiler alert. We are going to do a Westworld episode or two. Yeah, and I have to thank you guys for getting me hooked on that show. Um, I'm getting no work done, but you know, you're welcome. We have to make sacrifices, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> you know, we all have to make sacrifices. We all have to make sacrifices. Art. But right. I, I find this: we're going to be dealing with inverses here, and as a math geek, I like inverses. In this show, we're going to be dealing with the gun that can kill almost anything, except for a yes. few select things. All but five creatures, and then we'll be dealing with the gun that can only kill certain things and not everything. And from a technology standpoint, I find these two fascinating challenges that go hand in hand. So we'll solve mm-hmm. one today, and then our viewers get to get the inverse problem later on. And so as a physicist, I love that that symmetry there that we're going to be doing. So what we're talking about today, just to give people an idea, is this is the cult from the TV show Supernatural. And in the show, this was a cult made by Samuel Colt, who was a real person who really designed the cult. And it was it's essentially a gun that and thirteen bullets, original bullets that can kill anything, as Ben mentioned, except for five things in existence. This includes, you know, some deities, demons, angels, monsters, and this is what what I like about this is that first of all, Jensen Eccles, who plays Dean in the show Supernatural, had a really nice answer. So they haven't revealed who the four people or four or five creatures. I think it's four uh, creatures that. The gun cannot kill. And Jensen Eccles, the actor, his answer was, he said, it can't kill God, death, or the Winchester brothers. And I thought that was a really great answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I like that. Yeah, that was really cool. So what we kind of have to talk about here is, is is the gun magical? uh, And I use magical quotes. How do we explain the gun's properties 
or do we explain the bullet's properties? Like, what is the thing that is doing the special? Um, what is you know what is the important part of this equation? I want to kind of pose that first. What do you guys think here? Well, I think it's both. I mean, the you know the bullets are have to be made in a, a special ritual. There were the original thirteen that Colt made, and then they they mm-hmm. run out during the show, and they have to find. Uh, the demon Ruby who helps them figure out how to make more. And then much later on, we find out that they're just, you know, it's just silver and holy oil. And then some Latin spells that maybe mean to copy the signal. You know, it's a dead language. It's hard to uh, translate Your rough translation there. (laughs) No, that's true. But I think... If, if I'm understanding this correctly, the bullets are what's important. Yeah, I, don't know, I think I so don't too. know how important the gun is, though. I mean, really. Well, the gun has all sorts of etchings and symbols on it, too. So, I mean, I don't think yeah. we ever see them fire the holy bullets out of a regular gun, do we? Yeah, no, no. I, I, I think it's both, Dan. But I, I'm going to throw out something here. I think it's both, but also has to do with the reality of what the creatures are. Right? Our basic premise yeah. here is that we're dealing with um, science that's sufficiently advanced technology that it looks like magic to us. Correct. And so I do think there's an interaction between the bullet and the gun. Um, I think the gun, in my mind, acts as a sensor. We can get into more details later. Detects the creature you're pointing it at, right? Mm -hmm. And then actually, I mean, just sort of think of what we do now with, you know... um, microchips and computers and and you know ai and stuff it it Mm -hmm. then interacts with the bullet to maximize the impact of the bullet right selecting the right properties out of the bullet necessary for the creature you're pointed at um so that when you fire the bullet it actually does its job so if you're Hmm. to just put the bullet in another gun it might have an effect okay but it's not going to have its full effect because it, it's not been programmed correctly for the target you're shooting at. Hmm. So you're saying this is a computerized bullet and a computerized gun, and the combination of the two is what makes the quote-unquote magic, a.k.a. Exactly. sufficiently advanced technology. Yes. Hmm. And it's, it's quantum computing, which is why it looks like magic to us. Got it. Because we <laughs> haven't figured out how to build a quantum computer yet. So on the theory that anything I don't understand is quantum mechanics... Right. I'll revert my earlier statement I made in other episodes where you're yeah. not allowed to use quantum mechanics to explain what you don't understand. I will now use it. You know, it's it's funny because I, when I think of this technology, I think of it being very analog. And so I'm going to try to tackle this from an analog standpoint. I do like the digital aspect. Th- there's a couple of really interesting properties of the bullets and the gun, which I found interesting. And, and I, I wonder if... You know, one of the things that we have to think about here is every single time in every episode, there's this pearl-handed 9 millimeter that Dean always grabs whenever he's going to face some supernatural creature, which makes no sense because most of the creatures they fight can't be killed with bullets, okay? And so that's where this cult becomes important. So we have to think to ourselves, what are the types of creatures that cannot be killed with bullets and why? Now, the truth is, the only one I could come up with, with a, is a sponge. You can shoot a sponge, and it's not going to die with shot with a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how direction to go, Dan. I'm surprised you didn't go with an octopus. Because <laughs> I think you could kill an octopus with, with, a, with a bullet. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. It's got a lot of less vital parts than you think. Yeah, I, I, yeah there, there are certain, you know, there are some, some worms that you can shoot and then they can right. regrow. They've got highly regener- regenerative properties. 
you know, th- there are several like that, several salamanders, reptiles. So I, I, I really wanted to kind of think, what are the types of creatures that cannot be killed? Why? And then what about the bullet would then make it so you could affect them? You know, and I went to energy. I don't know if there's any way you can like take these bullets. And is there some sort of energetic component that it's tuned into the frequency of these creatures that cannot be killed? Like, can you shock a, a sponge to death or something mm. like that? That's kind of where my mind went. Oh, but, interesting. That's interesting. You know, one thing I like about the analog side, Dan, I thought you were going somewhere completely different. Um, I really like the energy. I thought you were going with the general idea of basically poison. Right. Mm. If you, if oh, you I think like of that it too. right. Yeah. Right, you know, you know, going to what Ben said, it's silver, it's holy oil, it's basically a poison. So it's oh, not, I like that a lot. It's not, yeah, it's not the mechanical damage, and that's where I combine the digital and the analog. Right, like you, you basically have the core elements in the bullet, and you get the right balance combination through this computerized adjustment, and then you send the bullet yeah. out, and you've basically created the appropriate poison for the creature you are are shooting. Hmm. But, I like that. I mean, well, but will these bullets just... I mean, you got to wonder, though, can these bullets just hurt anybody? I mean, you see throughout the show, they, like, you know, just splash holy water on all over the place just to figure out if people are possessed right. and whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. so does the holy oil, like, I mean, what if you just, like, press this bullet on somebody with your hand? Like, is it going to hurt them? I well, mean, they'll well, probably tell so- kinetic you across the room, but... Right. Yeah. Well, well, Ben, that's where I go to my point that yeah. the bullets themselves will do damage to almost any creature. Yeah. Right. Based on it, their basic properties of having a generic poison attached to them from the holy oil silver combination. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you want maximum damage effect. That's why you have the gun to sure. determine your target and maximize the poison ratio yeah. in the current bullet. Yeah. And I guess we also kind of see that in the one where. Um, their father's possessed and they shoot him in the leg and it doesn't actually kill the demon. It just kind of ha- makes it have to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- there's clearly, it's not just, there's something about hitting. I think actually, I think that says more about that. The demon, when the demon's possessing you, it's vital spirit is kind of in the same place that your vital organs are. And if you don't hmm. yeah. hit the vital organs, you're not really going to get the demon. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's I like that idea. Well, and so what what I wanted to kind of look at here, I like this poison idea. And you know, you mentioned there's the ritual. It's kind of funny because there's this when the original cult in the series, they do a great job of creating the mythology and it's easy to break that down and talk about. As the show progresses, they make it a little more difficult to kind of to kind of follow because it's a gun that can kill anything how come they stop using it after season six right because it's a little too powerful but what i i like the the original couple seasons where they really kind of followed what we're talking about and one of the key components of this is the silver bullet which we see show up time and time again in all the lore for werewolves for for vampires for everything and so i wanted to look at what are the unique properties of silver and it actually does have some incredibly interesting properties mm-hmm. really quickly it has the highest electricity electro electrical and thermal conductivity of all the metals which goes back to the electric thing that i was talking about mm-hmm. the energy aspect it's used to develop photography especially old-timey uh, film used to use uh, in in a silver based nitrate, I believe, to develop film, which could have something to do with vampires not being able to be photographed. I don't uh-huh. know if there's anything there. 
you know, soluble silver salts, including uh, AgNO3, is lethal in certain concentrations. It also turns your skin black. It's tarnished by hydrogen sulfide. It has inherent antibacterial properties. And some silver comp- compounds are actually highly explosive, including silver azide, uh, silver oxalate, silver, silver fulminate. They bond with oxygen and nitrogen, and some even become explosive with simple exposure to light. I find all this stuff very interesting. I didn't know silver had so many interesting properties. Is there something in that inherent in their properties that can be harnessed against these creatures? Well, I think, Dan, for me, like one thing you mentioned that's really intriguing is silver's antibacterial component. Mm-hmm. Because when I think, because now I, I want to bring in the biology of the creatures, right? Okay. We call them vampires, zombies, demons werewolves and so on but clearly if we're going to take this approach that anything sufficiently um, different or advanced technologically looks like magic i think you can say the same thing about anything sufficiently different biologically sure yeah mm-hmm. fair right? enough. yeah and mm-hmm. so that instead of thinking of these as supernatural creatures we want to think of them as differently biological creatures okay um, i don't yeah. know if we can start an acronym dbc here i like <laughs> yeah absolutely mm-hmm. you know <laughs> trademarked yeah so so we we go with that and I, like you had mentioned this, right, that there's different sources of where zombies came from. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's the idea of a bacteria or a virus. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. And, and there are definitely versions of vampires where mm-hmm. the view is, is, again, sort of this bacterial virus sort of point of view. Sure. We have done a lot on symbiotic relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can imagine the the things that appear to be powers could be due to a symbiotic relationship with a bacteria or virus or some other mm. microbial life form that the silver hmm. is basically the poison for. Got it. Yeah, right? yeah I like and that. So, and, and, you know, holy oil, I mean, we call it holy oil, but who mm. knows what quantum transformation you make when you say Latin, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. remember, quantum right. mechanics is all about the observer. Mm-hmm. I hope no physicist is listening to me right now. But <laughs> Right, you can be transforming the quantum state of the oil into a certain, you know, state or property that interacts with this advanced biological life form. And so now, what your gun is doing is figuring out the right ratio of holy yeah. water and silver, you know, which mm. is on the surface. Are they blended? How are they blended? And you get that perfect bullet for the creature that you're you're trying yeah. to kill. And these four special creatures perhaps are just such a unique and different biology you you just can't you can't do it with the tools at hand yeah. and for all we know the holy oil is just you know garlic oil and that's why it takes care of the vampires right. exactly yeah. you can have a garlic allergy there are you yeah. are that is right. a, that I is mean, a real thing and in the zombie apocalypse one of the best advice i was ever given by a public health person is eat lots of garlic because it is incredibly protective against disease and there is a chance that if the zombies bite you, you will not turn into a zombie if you have enough garlic in your system. Hmm. Uh, Little known fact. Or they just wow. won't want to bite you because you'll taste too garlic. Yeah. Tastes well, delicious. that's the other thing. <laughs> right. So so a little safety tip there, you know, in the zombie apocalypse. Well, permaculture, which is this idea of taking different plants to kind of create a harmonious garden uh, with, with without using any, you know, 
any fertilizers or any um, insecticides, one of the things people use is garlic and onions to keep things away, to keep naturally yes. remove, re- repel Definitely. pests and things like that. So that's really interesting. You know, what, so one of the things I want to cross over here is to get into this uh, quasi-mystical world here. But, Denon, you know, we've mentioned this on a few times. I'm going to reach into your other toolkit, throw on your other hat. You are the uh, – we're going to call you – I don't know. I, I, I said the wrong phrase before, but you are a scientific Catholic, I guess I could say. Is that fair? Uh, that works. I like that. Okay. Okay. So as I've mentioned or before, a I was – a Catholic scientist. A Catholic <laughs> – not a Christian scientist, but a Catholic but yeah, scientist. Yeah. Right. Yes, we know. Yeah, yeah, I know. We Very have to different. be careful about that other term. Right. So what's interesting about Catholicism, the thing that I've always found, you know, growing up that I just found interesting, although as far as belief, I always had a hard time with it, was there's lots of interesting mythology. And some of it are, are, are symbols. It's very the, – the symbols are very important. Right. And, and, and exorcisms are a real thing. So both of those things are important, I think, in when it comes to the cult. So I kind of want to get your stance. What, what do you think of exorcisms as they exist in the Catholic Church? You know, I, I think that's a, a challenging question in some ways because, you know, we've talked about this before, you and I, Dan, and I think it came up briefly in the show. I, I'm a strong believer in that there is a both physical and non-physical reality with a boundary between them. Right. And that, you know, the future is going to be trying to understand that boundary better. I think a lot of supernatural, unfortunately, is truly just really natural stuff we don't understand and or mm-hmm. hoaxes. Right. And and the challenge yeah. with that is in an area where there are a lot of hoaxes, it's hard to then to figure out what's actually real. Yeah. And in the area of exorcisms, you, you can have everything from the simple thing, which is we know that there are a lot of people with various psychological challenges that would look like being possessed. And and you can imagine if you have enough belief that in the belief area, there's basically the equivalent of the placebo effect, right? Like we know people get better of physical diseases mm-hmm. from taking placebos, basically, because they really believe in it. If you believe enough in the exorcism um, and, and, and what's underlying it is really a physical thing... I can certainly imagine that getting better, right? So that's one extreme. The other extreme is I, I do think there's stuff we just don't understand about the boundary between the physical and unphysical and how that is best manipulated. Um, and if again, if anything's happening, I think you're right. Some of it is probably symbolic that's kind of having this psychological effect, but in a very interesting and powerful way. So I'm with you. I've been fascinated by it because I think it's, you know... Anything on the that we can't measure or do with with standard science is just challenging to talk about and measure and do. By definition, I, I think that's fair. One of the, the reason why I bring this up is because there are several exorcisms that are that are kind of like that have fantastical elements that people claim to that have a lot of validity to them. Not in, you know, right. including The Exorcist, the movie The Exorcist. <laughs> it's based on a true story and that people have claimed to be real. One of the things that I do want to mention, there is, and I'm going to put an article for this up, is the Archbishop Ron Fail Ainwright, who's the chief exorcist for the Sacred Order of St. Michael the Archangel. He claims to have done you know thousands of exorcisms, and he said people's skin, it becomes gray. Uh, it becomes it takes on a sickly pallor, and he's seen people levitate for long periods of time. Now you have to take someone at their word. There isn't any 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 evidence of this, but I would right. find it difficult. I mean, even given the history of the Catholic Church and their 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 quasi their, their relationship with the truth, it is is right. at it's times, skeptical at times. At times yeah. You know, I, yeah. 
I think it is hard to denounce that outright simply because I've never witnessed it. I find that to be really interesting that someone that close would make these claims. So we can at least, let's say that that is possible, right? And right. that exorcisms have been, have shown through the Catholic Church to basically rid the body of a demon. One of the things I find interesting that's both in the cult and in exorcisms is this idea of the cross of St. Benedict. And this is supposed to be on the bullets that are in the cult. And this is, has a very interesting history because when you look at it, there are letters around it. There, there's V-R-S-N-S-M-V hyphen S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. No one's going to remember that. But from the 1415 manuscript in Latin, uh, I'm not going to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try the Latin here. Ben tried Latin earlier. I'm going to give it a really good quick shot. Vade retro satana, vade retro satana. Nuquam suade mihi vaha sunta mala quadi labas lice venaha bibias. And of course, anyone listening is going to know that that was perfect Latin for be gone, Satan, never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink thy poison yourself. This, this symbol and this prayer that are in, is inherent to the symbol has some. This is the etching that's both on the cult and what people use in an exorcism. This is what's kind of interesting is, is there some power to this in real life that is just beyond kind of what we understand but has some basis or could have some basis in science? Well, I would think, you know, from my perspective, the way I view the world, what you're doing is you're having an influence on what I would call the boundary between the non-physical and the physical. And yeah. the human brain, as you know, I believe we have free will. Right. And, and I feel like that all stems from the fact that we actually have this connection where our brain has evolved enough that its complexity has made the complexity of this boundary be a thing that does this. And so if, if, if you actually go that route and accept it, then you can imagine how certain words and certain combinations trigger you to think in the right way. It's not that so much that the words are magical, right? but it's that you are adjusting this boundary between physical and non-physical in a way to make other things happen. I see. And, and for me, I, it's the one place where I allow myself to have really far out thoughts. Okay, because right. you know, I do I do think there's more there's more to the reality than we've actually figured out and know. Mm -hmm. um, and it would be very arrogant of me to think we understand it all. Um, sure. And I like the way you phrase it, Dan. It's it's not normal science. And but so it's an interesting question. How would you imagine engineering something when you don't understand the science yet? So I'm mm. going to put Ben on the spot. Like, yeah. is Great that question. something we can imagine doing? Because that's what we're talking about with the cult here, I think, is we don't know the science by definition because we claim it's far advanced science, so it looks like magic. Right. So how would you engineer something when you don't know the science, but you need to build it? Yeah, so I think, I think it's interesting because there's – engineers have to do this a lot where you have to develop devices to measure phenomena – where you don't really know the science yet. Like if you look at the Large Hadron Collider, when they were building that, they didn't know that the Higgs, they, they had a good idea that the Higgs boson was there, but they didn't really know for sure. So there's something to the idea that you can build a detector that can detect, that's just very, very sensitive, and it can detect things, and maybe it'll confirm your hypothesis, like the LHC did, where they found the Higgs boson, but it, it's also certainly possible that it might detect something totally different and you still end up proving uh, something, but it's because you detected something you weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. 
and you maybe didn't know the physics about that thing you that uh that you detected you just knew that especially in, when it comes to to engineering and physics that there are things you can detect you can detect electromagnetic waves you can detect if you're if you're building LIGO you can detect gravitational waves you can detect uh accelerations you can detect um pitch orienta- and orientation changes and so there's all these things that we can measure. And so as long as you're kind of in the ballpark of what phenomena you're looking for, if you build sensitive enough equipment, you can find it. And then it's back to the scientists to figure out what the heck happened. <laughs> right. Yes, I like that. Or, or, or to make up what happened. No. Well, what's interesting about that is if, if I could put a button on this and what you guys have just said, it's... If we were to call this magic, it's essentially saying we know that the etchings do something. We know that the that the chanting over it, the all that stuff, it does something. We know it has an effect. We just yeah. can't explain why that effect happens, which is essentially what magic is. Even if you look at Harry Potter, they say words and and something happens. They may not know the science behind it, but they know that the, that that exact combination of things creates that effect. And, yeah. and you know, just to also. Advance your button a bit and sew it onto the coat, Dan. Okay. Um, if, if that's an analogy I can make. I don't know, you know what that means, but let's do it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I feel like like if someone came from the past and watched me playing a video game right now, uh-huh. sometimes the words are critical without actually mattering. They would see me screaming things at the TV, okay? Mm-hmm. And right. they might view that that is critical for achieving not falling off the bridge on Mario Kart, right? <laughs> but in fact, the words actually right. have nothing to do with it. But if I don't scream, I can guarantee I will fall off, right? right. So okay. sometimes the words are integral into the process without actually contributing to it in a technically meaningful way. And I'm sure there's analogies to, in the engineering world to Ben, where if you're not screaming at your equipment, it just doesn't come out right. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Uh, but but I think that we actually, I think that that's a really interesting way to kind of develop what seems to be a supernatural weapon, but in ways that actually there's a lot of science behind it, that that I think that that's a perfect way to describe it. I think we just made the yeah. cult, so, um, y- you know. Well, I, th- I, I, think, I think the other thing to think about is if it wasn't for the fact that the every usage of the cult was, you know, life and death, you could do all sorts of fun experiments with, with this stuff. <laughs> right. Like you, yeah. like you could try loading these bullets in a different gun and seeing if it still works. Or you could yeah. try loading regular bullets in the cult and seeing what happens. And, you know, there's... To, yeah, to determine which is the working piece, but yeah. not a risk I want to take. Or you could, yeah. for you know, instead of using holy oil, you use some holy water and, you know, figure out... You know, what is it? And, you know, there's all this experimentation that they could try if only, you know, it wasn't a murderous weapon and they're fighting things that were trying to kill you. Right. One thing I want to mention before we go here, because I I love this aspect, is that this was actually designed after a real cult, which I loved. In 1836, uh, Colt made the Colt Patterson, which was his first cult. And I love that they used Samuel Colt's first real working weapon, which only had 
at a five only five bullets, and you couldn't even remove the cylinder, which I just thought was really cool. I, I just love that archaic nature of of them kind of bringing reality into the show. That was my, like one of my yeah. favorite parts. No, here. that is awesome. I really like that. Uh, it also Very has a cool. folding trigger, which I didn't mention. So when you pull the hammer back, then the trigger comes down, which makes it it's like a built-in safety, which I thought was just such a cool feature, especially yeah. in something that's that powerful. So you don't actually blow off one of these only thirteen bullets that you don't have. Yeah. You know, right? That you don't. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> fire one off for no reason, as Ben just mentioned. You can't even do scientific experiments on them. Why are we just shooting them off into the air? Yeah. Uh, so this is really cool. I, I again, I, this is one of my favorite pieces from the show, and and I think we actually did a pretty good job of explaining. Well, I think this. we did. Yeah. That, that's the brain yeah. trust for you. We. Did I think it. we may just caused a whole bunch of young people to go out and try and build one of these. <laughs> it's very possible. Uh, well, if you want to talk more about the cult, you can obviously find the show on Twitter at ftriplegbtpod and on Facebook at ftriplegbtpod. BT. But you can also talk to us if you want to find out more about what, what Ben's up to when he's when he's creating all of these things in his spare time. Uh, ben, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on all the major social media networks at BSeepser. How do you spell that? It's spelled B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And Denon, people want to talk to you about the science behind this or even get into the religion, which you're also an expert on. The science and religion, the membrane between those two is what you're the master of. Uh, how do people get in touch with you? So Twitter and Instagram is at Denon Michael. Just reverse my name. And then Facebook, it's, of course, at Prof Denon Michael. Prof Denon Michael on Facebook. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me, I am at Analytical Mastermind on Facebook, at Daniel J. Glenn on Twitter, at the Daniel J. Glenn on Instagram. This is a great job, guys. Way to take this, this incredibly, seemingly far-out technology and make it a reality. This is really a big win for the Brain Trust. Nice job, guys. And so we're giving you a lot of information here. Be careful. Be responsible with this technology. Be a superhero, not a supervillain. Until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design, written and performed by Paul Springers. If you like the show, you got to subscribe. You don't want to miss an episode. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. And we even do an audio version on YouTube if you want to check us out there. And if you want to find out, you want to check my work, if you want to look at all the science articles, the things we talk about, the in-real-life possible explanations for the fantastical technology we talk about, you can go to the, the website, ftriplegbt.com is the website. You can find links to this show, all the other shows, every episode. You can follow the show on social media there. You can follow the Brain Trust on social media. we got it all there, ftriplegbt.com. And if you like this show, you might like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.